Welcome, everybody, to the Revolution Not Televised podcast. It's been a minute, but we need to talk about a few things today. Um, a few of the collective thought patterns that are just kind of not helpful to our race. Um, they're borderline delusional, and I don't think that people are intending to be that delusional. It's just a matter of misinformation, disinformation, and just not being fully informed. Um, so that's why we're here on the podcast today, to just make sure people understand basic concepts. Um, one of the concepts that we're going to talk about is the concept of purchasing power, of buying power. We often hear that the black buying power in North America is $1.1 trillion, okay? And that is not a false statement, but that is not a testament to how much money black people have in liquid capital, in cash, in income. Purchasing power is an economic term that means money and credit available for spending and consumption of goods and services. Money and credit. So, again, we're not talking about liquid capital. We're talking about the line of credit that you would or could get if you went out to take an auto loan. The line of credit that you would or could get if you tried to take out a mortgage. EBT cards, credit cards, food stamps, all of these things are lines of credit. All of these things are being calculated into buying power. That is your ability to purchase goods and services. That is not your ability to have liquid cash around the place that you can go and invest in some community initiative. The reason I say that is because, you know, the purchasing power is often brought up when people need to raise funds, people need to invest, and people be like, oh, I know y'all niggas got money. Y'all, No, they don't. They really don't. We need to come to terms with the fact that, for the most part, black people don't have money as a collective. And it's not hard to understand. Based on the history, they don't. They're struggling. Most people are struggling. Most people are poor. The net worth of the average black household is under 1500 And that's a household. We're not talking about individuals. We didn't, we're not even getting to that yet. We're talking about a household of people. Okay, so let's lose that myth of the 1.1 trillion purchasing power, buying power, by understanding what buying power means, okay? It just means how much credit, how much food stamps, um, how much money you're going to get if you want to take out a, a car loan, you know, um, all of that. Student loans, how much you're going to get approved for. Yeah. That's calculated into purchasing power. That does not mean that you can take the money and convert it um, and, and invest it into some community initiative. They're not going to approve you for that. Everybody knows that you can get a student loan easier than you can get a business loan. They're not going to approve you for that. So as soon as we start to acknowledge that, hey, most of us are broke. And the ones that 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 have a little money are barely getting by or are a few emergencies away from losing the money. As soon as we acknowledge these facts about the community as a collective, um, then it's going to be easier to move forward because now we're dealing with a place, um, dealing from a place of reality. Okay? So, yeah, the, the buying power thing is a myth. It's false. Um, it, you know, people don't have $1.1 trillion of cash sitting around or income sitting around. It's lines of credit. And you can look up that economic term. So that's why it's important to educate yourself, um, you know, on everything. Everything is, is, is about nuance because 
if you listen carefully, purchasing power does sound like income. It does sound like salary, but it's not. You know, that one little term, that one little word, a lot of people got hung up on and started to believe that, um, you know, Black America had all of this money hiding from each other and not working together, which is false. Most people are struggling. Okay. So now that we got that out of the way, um, I did ask a question on the, on the page about, you know, the distrust of black people from black banks. And one person commented and, and mentioned Friedman's Bank. I think everybody should go research that. Research how, um, you know, pretty much it was a bank heist. All right. So right after slavery, um, a lot of black people decided to put their money and put their trust in a bank that had no line of credit, was not offering loans. It was marketed as if it was government backed, as if it was federally backed, but it was not. It was owned by white wealthy men. And these men decided to take the money and invest it in bad investments. Take black people's money. And the investment obviously caved because it's a bad investment and they lost all the money and the bank went bankrupt and um, the government promised to pay the people, black people, and they never got their money back. It's called Freedman's Bank. $1.2 billion in today's currency up like that in smoke. Nobody was ever prosecuted. No money was ever returned. We're talking about in the late 1800s, talking about right after slavery. Okay, so these things keep on happening and happening, um, you know, to people. That's and 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 it shouldn't be hard to recognize that after all of these events, no, there's no liquid capital. No, the people don't have money. Every time they try to do something, somebody comes and either steals their money or burns down their property. Okay, so I want everybody to get that through through their head about you know. Um, capital and wealth okay and it goes back to people like booker t washington who and this is the thing you have to look at the times that the people were were living in and what they were thinking we pretty much told black people that if they get wealthy if they have a bigger house if they own the mortgage that the white man is 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 taking out to get his house and that's how they're going to get respect um, and that's false. If you get a bigger house than a white man, he's going to get jealous and he's going to burn your shit down. He's going to burn your house. And that's what happened with Tulsa. So the point that I'm coming to today is that there seems to be a push for black entrepreneurship as a solution to our problem. Black entrepreneurship is very, very important. Right? Because you see how we get treated when we go to other establishments, just for basic goods and services. It's about dignity. It's about going to a place for good or service and getting treated with respect by your people. All right? Black entrepreneurship is important because nobody wants a white person breathing down their neck all day at the office, um, you know, telling them what to do or stealing their ideas. You know, you know the relationship between us and whites. But black entrepreneurship in and of itself, by itself, is not the solution to the collective problem that the race has. Black entrepreneurship and black capitalism is encouraging us to acquire economic assets, right? But you cannot have an economic asset unless you have political power to protect that asset. 
You cannot have political power to protect an economic asset if you do not have military power to enforce your political power. So what keeps on happening is that, and it's happening again. That's why I'm, I'm like bringing this up because it seems like we're going through the same cycle that many people's foreparents were naively thinking, um, but it didn't work out. That people are pushing this black entrepreneurship, black entrepreneurship, which is good on an individual level to just get a chance to breathe without a white person breathing on your neck. But as far as a solution, a long-term solution, no, it's not because we cannot pr protect these assets. An asset is not an asset if you cannot protect it. An asset is not an asset if you do not have political power to back it. That's why nobody's worried about black people. I don't know if you guys realize in all the political conversations that's going on in Africa, in the Caribbean, in Europe, in America, nobody's mentioning black people as a threat. Because we are not a threat. So you guys can get all the billions and the millions that you want. But there is no political nor military power. That means that you are free to have your billions and your millions and your houses and your business and whatever. But as soon as you say something that threatens the status quo or threatens the power structure, your wealth is gone. You're done. They're going to blow up your shit and they're going to come take whatever little rifles you have. You heard me. I said, take, they're going to take the rifles. Like they're going to take it from a little boy. They're going to take it from you. And if you don't give it up, they're going to bomb your shit. So in essence, you have the choice of amassing a lot of money and wealth and assets and being a house Negro or a full out coon or Amassing a lot of wealth and money and trying to help your people or threatening the power structure and then you're going to lose all of that wealth and money in seconds. They're going to take it from you. And it doesn't always have to be something violent. When I'm talking about political power, they, are, they own the IRS. They run the IRS. So if they don't want to make a whole scene and come and bomb people, they're just going to say, you know what? We found a mistake that you made in your taxes from 10 years ago. It turns out you owe the IRS like $2 million. And meanwhile, your net worth is like 1.5. So now you're in debt because they found some discrepancy in it through one of their political systems because they heard you talking shit against their power structure. This is very, very important for us to understand. There is no power. Through only black entrepreneurship, through only economic mobility. If there is no political power, there is no political power if there's no military backing. So I understand on a microeconomic level, on a day-to-day -day level, the importance of black entrepreneurship. Trust me, I do. Okay? But for you to go around thinking that this is our road to freedom and our way out as a collective is false. And it's delusional. It's very delusional. And not only that, if you think, oh, well, I'm just going to move up as an individual. If you lose that wealth, it's going to be harder for you to get it back because you don't have the structures in place. You don't have the backing in place. You don't have the upper hand in place. You don't have the privilege in place to just get it like that. A 
again if you lose it. So that's the point of this podcast today. I just want our people to understand that no, no, we don't. We don't have this money sitting around, you know, under our mattresses like that. Maybe a few of us, but most people are struggling. Most people are broke and there's no shame in that. There's nothing to be ashamed of, of to say, you know what, as a people, black people, we don't have no money like that. You know, because we were the currency. We were the capital. We were the mules. I'm not ashamed to say that. I come from a poor family. Like, I'm doing fine for myself now, but let there be like five more emergencies. Like, it is going to get harder. Why? Because my family were slaves. I'm not ashamed to say that. So who are we really putting on for to be like, oh, you know, black people, they got money. They just don't want to help. They just want to. No, black people don't have it. They don't. And every time that they did try to to encourage some, some kind of economic mobility, it was taken from them. It was destroyed. So I want to continue to stress the importance of us making ourselves to be a threat. And I cannot say in explicit terms how, but I can tell you that if you think that black entrepreneurship is the way to freedom as a collective, you're delusional. You're delusional. The European is a highly, highly jealous person. The European is not going to allow you to just sit up here and have more than him. And he has all the power and let you have it. He's not going to do that unless he feels like you're safe. Unless he feels like you're helping him keep his power intact. But if you try to challenge that, you're done. Okay, and our only, our only ad- adversary isn't the European anymore. The Chinese have entered the chat. The Indians have entered the chat. Everybody is in the power struggle except for us because we don't have any military backing or political power. Okay, and that's the point that I wanted to drive home in this podcast Thank you for listening.